Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by GhostBed.com. Sit back, relax, and grab a fucking drink. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created. As a member of Congress, I get to have a lot of really interesting people in the office. Experts on what they're talking about. This is the podcast for insights into the issues. China, bioterrorism, Medicare for all. In-depth discussions. Breaking it down into simple terms. We hold. We hold. We hold these truths. We hold these truths. With Dan Crenshaw. Welcome to Drinking Bros crossover episode with Hold These Truths with Dan Crenshaw. Everybody's got a podcast now. Dan Crenshaw's got a podcast, and I'm amped about it. I'm, I'm a fan of Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, he takes a lot of heat because he, uh, like the average politician comes to the table with a fucking 90-second and 5-minute and 15-minute uh, stump speech, basically. Mm-hmm. It's an elevator pitch. Like, tell me about your company in two minutes. Yeah. That kind of thing. So they're very rehearsed and formulated opinions. Dan is of the opinion that... If he has an idea and he puts it out into the public eye and the public sphere, then we can have an actual conversation about it and he can see what people really think. And also more eyes on any kind of problem is going to produce a better, uh, more well-rounded result, typically speaking, yeah. unless it's something that requires specific expertise. Well, in this case, <clears throat> he happens to get a lot of heat because he's like, well, what if we did enact something like this? Like he posed the question, if we collect... Like, we're already collecting the information necessary to enact something like a red flag law. What would that look like if we did that? Just positing the question, like, what, what is our responsibility with that information? And people, a lot of people on the right just completely tore him down mm-hmm. for even uh, considering it. But that's Posing not... Posing the question. Yeah, like, if, you, if we're not allowed to pose questions like that, then how are you... If it is genuinely a bad idea, how are you able to develop a sophisticated ideological defense against that bad idea unless you have that conversation with someone like Dan who you know stands up for the second amendment you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like he that's I disagree with him about shit all the time like he he's he's called it immoral for people to get their student loans absolved like come on man that's that's a stupid thing to say so he says some shit that I think is dumb but I would never question anybody uh I wouldn't question their their morality or ethics or, or intent or patriotism because they beg the question and want us to have a conversation about something. And I think that's a mistake for people to do that. Yeah, man. And, and that's, again, why I personally love him so much. And I'm glad he's got a show because he deserves an unedited platform where he can really throw out these questions, uh, toss <clears throat> out some ideas and see what people's real thoughts are on them. Yeah. And um, despite having get, been lit up a few times. He for doesn't mind taking the stuff, heat. No, he still keeps coming back to the table and discussing things with people. So, you know, he's, um, I guess, the hero we need. Not really the one we deserve. But, Good dude. Good dude. Uh, and how many members of Congress actually have their own podcast? Well, it's uh, him and Ted Cruz. Yeah. I, look, it's, it's, it's fun to see, man, because we're in that time. And again, a podcast leaves yourself open to having more thoughtful conversations that are unedited, less rehearsed. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad Dan's doing it. <clears throat> the beauty of having, you know, three hosts... Um, is that we can roam sometimes and go all over the country. So the day that this happened, actually, you and I got called in for uh, Alex Jones. Yeah, we were in Austin, and Jared was in D.C. with Richard Stasekal and Natalie Kwam. Correct. Who you all are familiar with at this point, mm-hmm. uh, with the Government Accountability Act and all that shit. Um, and Lindsey Graham can get fucked, by the way. He's still on my list. Um, but, yeah, this was uh, just one of those things, right place, right time. But that's kind of the story of Jared's life, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we're we're we were in New York. We were, you and I were flying to Austin. He's like, hey man, I just got a call. I, I'm going to do a, a, sh- a crossover show with Dan Crenshaw. I was like, great. Um, so we split up. You and I did Alex Jones. He did Dan Crenshaw. Uh, tonight is that episode. If you dig Dan Crenshaw, his new podcast is called Hold These Truths, and it is out now. He's got a bunch of episodes too, man. So you don't have to wait. Uh, you know, two weeks to go find another episode. He's got 15, 16 episodes out, which is great, including this one you're about to hear tonight. You know the rules, kids. We got sponsors to pay for this whole shit wagon to be on the air. First and foremost, ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. 25% off, Dan. What the fuck? That's uh, a quarter off of every dollar. Imagine if you lost a quarter of your body. Well, Derek White did. Yeah, <laughs> damn right he did. He's on. By the way, he's on Drinking Broettes. Download that episode now. Yeah. It's great. I just listened to it last <laughs> night. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, if you lost a quarter, dude, you know, uh, that'd be a lot, Dan. It'd be a lot of yourself. Yeah, I mean, luckily they give you the whole bed, though. They do. Like, it's not just a quarter of the bed. You get the whole thing. Yeah, so. you don't have to order, even if you're a tiny person, like a midget, you don't have to order a king thinking they're going to take 25% of it off. They're not going to. No. They're going to send you the full mattress. You get all of the sheets. You get all the pillows, the entire adjustable base. They're not taking 25% out of anything except your wallet. Uh, go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today. And as always, they got the page. You go program. No interest. 36 months. Fuck. It's like 20 bucks, man, for all your favorite shit on the planet. Get yourself a mattress. Treat yourself. Um, a lot of people might say. Uh, next up, we got KillCliffCBD.com. Dan, I love it. I, I drink got, it every night. Just got two more cases in the mail yesterday. It's the best. It's the best in the biz. My parents are fucking drinking it, which is weird, man. I, I told this maybe on Ross Patterson Revolution, but I was like, I went over to my parents' house. My dad was drinking a KillCliff CBD, and I was like, whoa. I thought it goes in the future. You know? And I was like, whoa, we're here now, and you're cool. Uh, yes, yes. I mix it with uh, lean. That's oh, great. Instead of, I'm not a big fan of uh, Sprite of like sugary sodas and stuff like that. So you know, if you're looking for a low carb way to get high on lean, yeah. Just saying, Kill Cup CBD. You mix it with that grape, same flavor. You know what I'm saying? Essentially, yeah. I mean, I've been using orange because that's my flavor, but uh, you know, I'm sure grape would probably be good. Yeah, it's great. Uh, look, KillCliffCBD.com is uh, the best in the biz. 25 milligrams of CBD in every can. It's like 15 calories, no carbs, no sugars. It tastes fucking awesome. It goes great with vodka, too. If you're looking to fucking chill out on the weekend, uh, maybe have an oyster roast or go over to somebody's uh, house and, and smoke a pork butt, uh, throw a little bit of KillCliff CBD in that vodka, dude. That'll set the mood and put you where you need to be. Uh, with the 20% off of the promo code Drinking Bros, that knocks these cases down. Each can of like three eighty. Um, you can buy a can of Monster for that, or you can buy a, some fucking CBD. And by the way, you won't fucking test hot for this shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, it's not possible. No. You're good to go. Go to KillCliffCBD.com today. Promo code Drinking Bros. 20% off and free shipping, dude. On cans, that's a big fucking deal. Uh, last but not least... Talking about VinceroWatches.com. Yeah. Um, I, look, I'm wearing one now. I got the blue steel one on right now. Um, big fan. Go to VinceroWatches.com. That's V-I-N-C-E-R-O. Watches.com. Promo code Drinking Bros. Gets you 15% off there on these lovely watches. 
Look, we're amped to be partnering with these guys. Uh, you can find a, a watch that just fucking looks cool, man. You got the rubber grip. You got that rubber band, dude. Uh, it's uh, silicone. Yeah, it's good. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. God damn it, man. It's nice. Um, I went with the fucking links, dude. I'm trying to look nice in suits, you know, when I got to wear them here and there. Yeah. Here and there's these. Uh, look, I, watch, I wear this watch all the time. If you watch the show, this is what I've been wearing. Um, it's pretty sweet that they're a fucking sponsor, man. Um, it kind of looks like Breitlings, dude, except they're affordable. All these watches are affordable, and with the promo code Drinking Bros, you get 15% off the watches and free shipping, uh, and especially with this one. This one's fucking heavy, dude. It's probably, probably another 10 bucks, probably on that shipping charge. Not there, dude. Uh, bold, modern designs, and they got a million options, man. Uh, they get over 20,000 five-star reviews. Amped to be working with these guys. There's always an occasion you will need a nice watch. Go to VinceroWatches.com. That's V-I-N-C-E-R-O Watches.com. Promo code DRINKINGBROS for 15% off and free shipping. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's hop into the episode with Mr. Dan Crenshaw, shall we? episode today special guest this is a little bit different than other episodes because we're not exactly doing a policy deep dive oh i don't know it could turn into that but i am here with jt lander was that how i spell uh, uh, pronounce your last name is it this is, this is really funny because this is the second time this has happened to me today lunder i didn't know that this, <laughs> when people google me now on on our website it's it's a placeholder that's that's it's saying JT Lander landing page. My last, my full name is Jared Taylor. So, <laughs> so yes, your full name. I was introduced today as JT Lander because they really, <laughs> yeah, I got to go to my yeah, IT I was like, I always thought JT was just your like initials, you know, first name, middle name. And I actually didn't know your last name. And so when they like my, my staff wrote your name into the, into the calendar. So land, yeah, that's a, Lander is not part of your name. Not at all. But Why this happened we, to me twice today. It is now. It is. I kind of like it. That'll be the title of this uh, episode. It'll be JT Lander or something. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Jared okay. Taylor. Jared Taylor, if that's your real name. Not according to the internet. Yeah, I mean, if it's on the internet, it's right. We all know that now. It's, 20, it's 2020. That's true. That's true. Well, thanks for coming. And uh, sorry, we screwed up your name so bad. Um, we could re-record that, but nah, no, that's kind of fun. Not on this episode. Well, it's yeah, perfect. And nothing gets cut out of this episode, which is <laughs> dangerous. Um, so, uh, welcome. Uh, you're coming in from Texas yes, and, uh, you're up in DC and we'll get to the reasons why you're in DC. Uh, but mostly it's just good to see you. Uh, we got to know each other uh, somewhat recently, really just this year, yeah, um, six, seven just, months ago, just connecting. And the reason we got to know each other, um, the reason you're on the internet, you're somewhat famous, uh, is because you're. Where does that lie on the fame scale? Like, are we are we F? Are we G? What, well, what like is, where, what does where does that scale where's the mean? internet? Where does the internet lie? Like how, oh, as far as how to be famous, you're you're yeah, in a yeah. pretty famous internet <laughs> scale, right? Like, I mean, you guys are so you guys being Black Rifle Coffee. 
Yes. People should know about that, right? MBEST 11X uh, was the YouTube channel that kind of kicked all of this stuff off. Yeah. Um, And we went into a brand called Article 15 Clothing, and then it had expanded from there and and, and moved into coffee and and even liquor. Really? So So I didn't know all that. I didn't know about the clothing um, or the other thing you said. I do remember when you guys started coming out with random videos, right? Because they they were very popular in the, in the special operations community. And these were the, how to work out like an operator on YouTube, how, how, to, to, be an how to be an operator, uh, the, the, the seal ranger rap battle. I mean, what, what spawned that stuff? Um, so I have been studying filmmaking or video making since I was 14 years old. Like I, I grew up skateboarding. My dad was a skateboarder. He was in the Navy as well. Mm. Um, and, and since I was 14, I've had a camera in my hands. And then when I enlisted in the Air Force and got to go to this cool job, I kept that camera in my hands yeah. because we were, we were dropping bombs off airplanes in close proximity of us. And I've, I've never seen anything like that filmed. So I just kind of kept it going. And I was always making comedy here and there, but it never, it never really stuck. I didn't find my, my thing until, you know, I had... Matt had sent it, sent one of his videos to a, a Facebook page that I was helping uh, administrate, and I watched it and just knew right then, like that. Literally, I said out loud, "Like this is the friend, the person I've been looking for yeah. forever." Did we just like, become best friends? That, was it that kind of moment. Yes. If you read the book, he, he actually has his book. He has the uh, the actual conversation between us, really? uh, and it was exactly like that. I was like, "You're it. You're the." You're the one in front of the camera. Yeah. I'm like I'm the guy behind the camera. I yeah. can make all he's this. He's got that camera this, ready face. Yeah, oh, he's you've got a great face beautiful. for podcasts. <laughs> you got a, I got a great weight for podcasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we don't want to fly. We don't want to you know be blown away or anything. You got to keep the weight down. <laughs> Actually, I, was, I just came from Mark Wayne's office and he told me it was supposed to give you hell about your weight. Really? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means. But that wasn't very nice of him. <laughs> I've lost weight. We'll beat him up. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Since he's will. the one out there challenging people he's, to a he's fight. A, he's an ex-cage fighter. Yeah, yeah. He's, we were talking about he, that. He can fight. Yeah. And he's a good guy. But, one, of my, you know, one of my friends up here. Texas and Oklahoma <laughs> is a good uh, is a good rivalry. In what way? I mean, we're tough and they're kind of tough too. They're not really that. I mean, Texas is... Is it really a fair fight? I feel like... More people bail hay in Oklahoma than they do in Texas. And I just associate that with toughness. Agree to disagree. <laughs> I'm not so, I'm just, I'm just of the opinion that nobody can compete with Texas. And so, you know, just being, I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. native Texan. It's just, it's hard for me. Are you originally from Texas? I am no. not. Where but you, this is, this is why you, you, you're giving some space to Oklahoma is, just now. So I'm from Washington You need to be State. in Texas longer <laughs> and then well, you'll understand. I'm now a homeowner in Texas. So yes. now I do. And Good. I, I am not leaving Texas. Yeah. This will be my spot. Don't go to Washington. I, Don't go back. That I will not. Washington I, State can be pretty beautiful up there except for Seattle and their the craziness is, is, yeah. is a little nuts. But, uh, I, I have been up there. We used to do training. Um, well, I never got to go to training up there. I've, I've been on my own, but up in Bull Hill, uh, our snipers go out there. It's just an absolutely beautiful area. Um, but we're getting, we're okay. We're, we're, we're getting off topic. Let's go back to, that was a Dr. Pepper for everybody listening. Um, yeah. Uh, 
Not that it would matter. If I do like that you have a giant case of Dr. Pepper in here. Yeah. I was like, Texas, that's, Texas. You have to have the Dr. Pepper uh, here, here in Texas and um, some good bourbon. So yeah, so, we were making, so I meet Matt. So yeah, so you're making these videos, which are hilarious. And again, you got to look them up if you haven't seen the How to Work Out Like an and Operator. You, and I think it's funny even for people who aren't in the special operations community. Well, that's what we started to see kind of in the middle of our first year was no one was doing comedy like this. I mean, you had, um, you had the whitest kids, you know, which was a sketch comedy group that got pretty popular and had a show on the independent film channel and you had good neighbor, you know, they, they kind of were running the internet. So you, you had all these groups that were putting out really good comedy skits, but nobody was putting out military humor. And I think if you combine the fact that Matt and I were mid-level NCOs, E5s, Mm -hmm. E6s, We, our jokes were a little bit more sophisticated in the mid tier of the military rather than being kind of what we call boot, boot humor now, you know, when you're doing sketches about boot camp and stuff like that. I mean, that's funny to the kids that just get out of it. Right. Whereas, you know, you, you watch our videos, our jokes are more along the lines of the culture, you know, specifically Mm -hmm. you mentioned how to work out like an operator and Matt had, had said, this is Delta Force, and he just threw a kettlebell like, yeah, like yeah, nobody. Could, yeah, <laughs> there was nobody there because they're so secret, right? Um, and then obviously, the, uh, I, as I recall, the video showed, you know, this is your, if you're a SEAL, you lift all the weight, right? Because you're the strongest. Yeah, yeah, I think that was it. it I, was I'm like, pretty sure that was it. And that's what I ask every Navy SEAL I meet. I, <laughs> I, I immediately touch their bicep and I just say, man, did you leave any weights for the rest of us? Yeah, that's what you asked me. <laughs> it was awkward because it was in a public space. Well, but you, I was at the Army Navy game. You couldn't reach your hand around the giant <laughs> bicep. <laughs> I had both. It was tough. Uh, it was t- last, this last weekend, I was at the Army-Navy game, and uh, I was up in the president's box. Somehow they let me in there. I didn't get to meet him, though. I'm kind of sad. I was oh. excited for that. I just missed him. He went down in the field to, uh, to talk to the cadets. But I didn't get invited to the president's box. Uh, you weren't up there at the game. You had a party in Houston. Your That's true. Party. But, you know, <laughs> just didn't get an invite. So I'm sad now, too. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, a guy comes walking by me wearing his dress. He was at E8 and saw the train. I go, oh, man, is that a real live Navy SEAL? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he stops and starts cracking up at me. We start talking. And it turns yeah. out, you know, he knows us from the videos and things. Yeah. And then I get a message yesterday into our customer service that was like, hey, JT found me at the Army-Navy game and, and got a picture with me. And he, he like, quoted it. Like, he, yeah. he came running up yelling, is that a real live Navy SEAL? And That's sent his awesome. phone number. So I ended up calling him yesterday and sent him the picture. It was pretty funny. That is awesome. So, so you guys started making videos. You had the, the epic rap battle between Rangers and SEALs. And, and again, I recommend you got to watch these because they're really spot on. The, the guys nail the cultural aspects of the, of the spec ops community pretty well. So those and then it transformed. Two, oh, go ahead. How to be an operator and uh, Navy SEAL versus Army Ranger were two kind of pinnacle points. Mm-hmm. Um, the how to be an operator took off and, and, and was the first video that we saw a, f- a few hundred thousand views. Were, were you guys trying first. to do anything with these videos or was it just fun? You were just making them for fun. It was fun. But at the time, Matt and I were studying YouTubers. Like okay. how do we become, you know, paid people okay. on YouTube? You weren't sure what you wanted to do with it necessarily. But, just let's try it out. But, okay. the, but the goal was traffic. Like how do, we, how do we get maximum amount of views? And that's kind of when how to be an operator had, had taken off 
we, we were astonished, like, okay, we, we just saw a few hundred thousand views. And when you come from, you know, the, the most I'd ever seen prior to that was 2000, you go from 2000 to a few hundred thousand, mm-hmm. like you're like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. we, we have something here. And then Navy SEAL versus Ranger came out. And that was, that was the first one that we saw three to 500 in the first few yeah. days. And we were just like, kind of looking at each other, like, what are we going to do? And, and I had just left the schoolhouse. And when I was at the schoolhouse, I ran our store, uh, schoolhouse, the tech P tech build, Yeah. So yeah. let's rewind a little bit. So you're a tech P, uh, you're, you're air, which is air force special operations. It's, uh, not necessarily, not necessarily. you can go, it can be, okay. yeah, you it can, can be in be. it, but we, we cover both. When you spectrums. work with us, you're yes. sort of part of the special operations yes. community and you know, we like you guys sort of. I'm just kidding. Sometimes. We love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We, we've had, uh, we've had air force work with us and it's always a great experience. So coming, and then from, I met you. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and then I changed your outlook on the, on the air force special warfare world. Um, so yes, coming, coming from the schoolhouse, I ran the store and that taught me, that taught me kind of uh, procurement of products. Like yeah. who do I call to make coins? Who do I call to make glassware? Who do I call to make t-shirts and things like that? So I had pitched to Matt and uh, which was funny because I found our initial conversation uh, the other day and it was just like, Hey, why don't we start our own thing? And he's like, you mean we just go in 50, 50? Like, yeah, let's do it. And, yeah. and, and we see just, what happens. We, we pushed in and, and created article 15 clothing. And originally our goal was only to make Let's explain article 15 it that article 15 is when you get in trouble in the military oh and okay. <laughs> uh and how neither m- me nor matt have an article 15 but the way that i felt senior leadership would uh kind of look at us as we were as we were getting popular on on the internet is these guys are constantly making fun of the military they're like these oh, you guys are active duty we, I was doing that. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Could have faced an article 15. <laughs> well, if you, if, if you do watch them, we, we, yeah. we do stay pretty clean and, and yeah. stay off. That's topics true. That I mean, yeah, it's in trouble. Just to like, be clear. It's, you know, you, you can operate an outside business while you're active duty. Just and, yeah. and, uh, so we, we kicked this thing off with the goal in mind to, to have, you know, an extra few thousand dollars a month for us to spend on, better video equipment, yeah. more production value, maybe, and even like we had discussed, like maybe hire like a, a an actor or a popular person to like come yeah, in. And, like and, me. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, this is, this the pinnacle of your success is just, no, it's not. I would, just, say, yeah. I, I would say, I would say we're definitely getting here right now because I am in, in, uh, what, what is this referred to as the house? I'm a professional comedian. Yes. <laughs> okay. Just, just to be clear. I was on Saturday night live. I know you guys are comedians, but I was on Saturday night live. Doesn't that give me any kind Absolutely. of Absolutely. I mean, that's, that literally, I have is... a picture with Pete Davidson. It's right behind me. <laughs> oh man. We were roasting him. So bad. <laughs> the day after that, that was so funny. Yeah. He's a nice kid. Yeah. I mean, uh, the way you handled it is literally the, the, funniest possible method that you could. Well, like the, and the way that all played out was you could easily see two different directions with, with that entire scenario. One direction is, is the one that's normally taken, which is I would have uh, snapped back at him 
uh, snarky or angry. Yeah, yeah, and then you kind of just, just like, look like oh, a this, salty right. veteran. Yeah, and this, oh, this is the, of course, this is how the liberal elites uh, treat veterans and conservatives. Like, no surprise there, right? And, you know, you could have done that. And, and there's a, it's a high, high, highly unlikely that SNL would have actually reached out after that and invited me on the show. Yeah, because and they then, would think that you just are kind of no personality. Like, right. Well, well, that and like, You've moved to your corners, yeah. you know, it doesn't, and that's, that's the and normal, yeah, that's the normal outrage culture response. That is what happens. And then there's the other, and then there's what really happened, which is kind of gave them some space. I didn't demand an apology. I didn't insult him back. I was just like, well, this kind of messed up what you said. It was offensive. I'm not offended, but it was offensive. And there's a difference because <laughs> I, I had to kind of, that was a weird one because I, I did have to speak out for a lot of veterans. People who, who, that were who, who generally truly, upset who, about yeah, it. Yeah, generally upset about it. But you got to give them the space and think, okay, did they mean to make fun of Republicans specifically? Yes, they did. That, that part was clear. There's a lot of evidence for that. Um, but did they mean to, to, to degrade a war wound? Um, that one seemed a little bit more like a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and, and so let's, let's see what they say. Right. And it, you know, turns out, yeah, they, they felt bad about it. <laughs> and, did you get a response right away or how, no, how did that unfold? No, I would love to hear that. No, story. I didn't. Um, so they, cause it was all going, everybody was going nuts on Sunday. Right. So it's Saturday, Saturday night live. It does happen on Saturday night as it turns out. And so Sunday is when I find out about all this and we're trying to craft our response and all that. So, you know, we figured that out. Um, and, and, and my line was actually a line that I, that I, that I learned at Harvard, um, of all, of all places, you know, one of the first, um, things that one of the professors during orientation told us when I, cause I left the military and went to do my master's. Um, he said, hey, while you're here, you know, try really hard not to offend others. Try even harder not to be offended. I was like, that's a, that's a really perfect way of st- stating this. You know, it's it, 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 especially in dealing with the current campus culture. Yes. That's, that's just the right tone. Like, don't be a jerk. Don't go, don't go looking. Yeah, don't go poking. Yeah. Cause, cause it's easy to do that. Right. I can, I can think of all these ways to trigger somebody else, but so don't try to do that. Just act normally and also, and then expect them to not be offended by your normal behavior. Okay. Pretty, pretty reasonable. So that's what I said. And, um, I think, I think one of their lower level producers, uh, had reached out and said, Oh, we're sorry. And that was kind of a meaningless, a, a private apology. Uh, and then Lauren Michaels, the, the, the executive producer, the creator of the show reached out and said, yeah, we, not only are we sorry, but we want you to be on the show, you know? And then, then it all kind of, and the rest I mean, really it just, it, it does well for everybody because that right. becomes, it's I mean, it, it was a, it was an outrage for about three days. The internet was in, was in, you know, it, it was all that was posted, the memes, the, the attacks back and forth, the tweets with, with him and everything like that. Yeah. And it's like, as a smart production, yes, capitalize on the traffic and, yeah. and bring you in for your rebuttal in person. Yeah. And I mean, there's a yeah. hundred skits you could write yeah. in that, in that whole scenario. They, they did call me a hitman in a porno. So yeah, there's a lot of skits you could write <laughs> coming next summer. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, imagination runs wild there, but, um, we never got into that and it ended up being a cool, a cool thing. You know, Pete's not a terrible guy. He's I mean, just, were you he, he super was, excited when you got, when they were like, you're going to come be on SNL? Yeah. Yeah. It is exciting. It's, it's, it's kind of, you're just in such a different world. It, it, it's, it was surreal then. It still seems surreal. I don't, frankly, this entire experience, cause it happened very quickly for me running for office was, has, has been pretty surreal. Um, you know, we're, we're in my office now and this is, uh, 
I've never had an office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and now I've you had, have one on the hill. Yeah, I've had, I've, yeah, I've you, had. You really deaths. skipped those steps. Yeah. I was like, you know, I just made 04 at the end of my 10 year career. I was just made Lieutenant commander and, um, I, I didn't like the pipeline. Let's just, let's skip a few steps. I run for Congress. Um, no, in, in truth, I couldn't stay in the Navy anymore because of uh, something about eyesight. Oh, we have depth perception. Two eyes. Yeah. It's, a dumb, it's dumb rules. And we're trying to change those. Um, so yeah. Then I've, we got, I, I've got a question for you. As, since you've been elected, are you, are you somewhat excited that you now kind of have a means to fix some of the things that, you know, a lot of us have frustrations in the military and like now that you're here, like, was that one of the things that went through your head when, when you were? Elected? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the number one reason you run it's impact. And, um, you know, so, some, everybody runs for different things. Right. But it, but it, it, it usually does boil down to impact. Um, maybe, maybe some people want to impact specific issues, there wasn't specific issues that stood out for me. It's a broad range of issues. It's a form of governance that matters to me. Uh, I, I believe in a conservative form of governance and a constitutional republic. And uh, there, there's a way to problem solve that I think makes a lot more sense than alternatives. And so that's being a responsible governor as a legislator is, is extremely important to me. And, and there's a lot of elements to that, what, what I mean by responsible and limited and something that, that, that protects individual freedom, that protects states' rights, that protects uh, this notion of federalism that is embodied in the Constitution, this notion that is embodied in the Declaration of Independence of why government exists, to protect inalienable rights, not to give you new stuff, all right? Something we forget pretty often. So like these, these really foundational elements are, are really why I ran. Well, I have to say, you know, as a, a social media kind of climate expert, I would self self-proclaimed expert, like you are, uh, one of the very first people and you're kind of uh, redefining the way that, uh, how you get and you utilize your social media to explain these things Mm -hmm. in, 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 in a way that everybody can, can understand. And I've, I've heard countless comments from friends of mine that are like, I love the videos he makes that after you vote for something or after you, you, you know, somebody, somebody declines something, Mm -hmm. you get on camera and explain to the public, Hey, this is just what just happened. Yeah. Here is what side I was on. Here is who was on the other side. Call your people. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're representing your district. Right. And if they want certain things, you're there to, to help them get those. Yeah. No, and I appreciate that. We, that's, that's the, the genesis of those. Here's the truth videos are just that like, let's, let's just explain what we're talking about. And to be fair, a lot of members do something similar but there's, there's an art to social media. You know, again, as an, as an expert, uh, you, you understand these things, right? There's a way, there's a way to do the camera angle. There's a way to, there's, there's a way to frame the, the picture. There's, you always do subtitles and that's very smart. Always do subtitles. That was, I, was I, bring I that watch a lot of your stuff on airplanes right. just on silent because right. I can read. Everybody does. <laughs> and, and that's a product of our age too. Like yeah. we we're, we grew up in this era. You're probably so close to how old are you? I'm 34, about to be 35. Are you really? Yeah. You look older. Damn it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got like gray hair. Uh, well, you know, owned businesses. Well, so we're this, you're a physicist. <laughs> no, no, owned businesses for the last few years. <laughs> you said you were a physicist. Yes, I, I went to Josh Hopkins. 
Yes. I'm a rocket surgeon. <laughs> Operate on the rockets. I did, I did, however, hang out uh, with the White House liaison to NASA last oh. night and, well, aren't and you learned. Name dropping. I, I, that was very fascinating. Yeah. And like, you gotta uh, have he, that person on the podcast. He stopped at like two hours and he's like, hey, am I like. Am I boring? I'm like, are you kidding? This is probably the coolest stuff I've ever heard yeah, in the last is. decade. Like teaching me about some of the discoveries that they've had in the last yeah, in the last couple cool. of years are like mind boggling. And I'm like, this is exciting. Like, yeah. we need to get them on the show. You get some absolutely. NASA NASA folks on the show. It was Danny. It's get them on. Very interesting. What's going on over there right now? Like, uh, you know, what the plans in plans are for the moon and things like that. Like. That's really cool. cool. What are we going to do with the moon? Are we going to bring it to Earth? No, 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 no. But, you know, how is he? How could have put it in an exhibit or something? He is explaining it. You know, he taught (laughs) taught me this thing, uh, you know, about uh, gravity and such. And and there is this. Never heard of gravity? Well, just how how it's working. (laughs) The moon creates tides. When you're you're traveling back and forth, and they found this point in between us and the moon that is absolute zero gravity. Oh, like oh. to where you're not being yeah. pulled backwards and you're not being pulled forward. Well, yeah, well, okay, yeah, in theory, there would have to be that point, right? Yes. I mean, God, we start getting into the <laughs> interesting theories of gravity. This is all fresh in my and, head right now because yeah, it was last night. But like the theories of gravity and, and whether it's a it's a force that's there's gravitrons, for instance, you get into gravitrons. Uh, well, he did say that they've, they've recently discovered in the last two years that gravity operates in waves. And, yeah. and then he's like, and, I, and if it operates in waves then it might be a particle we as can well. Manipulate in the different peaks yeah. that there is. So it's just very interesting stuff. It's crazy. Cause like a light is a wave, but also a particle, you know, mm-hmm. it's a photon that, that operates as a wave and it's, it's difficult. We can, we can observe this reality. We understand it to an extent, but it doesn't quite make sense. Like what, so we know there's photons, we know there's are particles and yet they operate as it, it was a wave would operate um, with, with wave interference and things like that. So I was a physics minor. So I, I like this stuff too. <laughs> I would totally nerd out w- about this thing. I was wide eyed for four hours. Yeah. Just like, no, keep going. Keep it's going. crazy. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's really crazy stuff. I mean, particles, by themselves, they operate as waves. It's not just photons. It's, it's all particles. They operate with a, with a, with a wave structure. And then you get into the quantum mechanics of it. And, and it's like, I'm they, very they, they giddy right now each other about it. You know, because I want to tell you something, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to wait till we're not recording. <laughs> Cause okay. there, were, there was some cool things. Did you, wow. We can always cut, we can always cut it out. I guess if you want to tell me, it's obviously you learned a secret about our plans on Mars or something. <laughs> well, uh, one thing we were talking about Mars is, you know, uh, because we are going to build, uh, um, uh, we're going to manufacture on the moon eventually. Yeah. And that's no secret. Uh, you know, they found a lot of ice on the moon, which means hydrogen, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. be able to manufacture a, a, um, propellant with yeah. what's on the moon. You know, it's just our, our, our limb fact right now is getting the equipment out of the atmosphere. Right, right. Uh, so, and, and that's that. And we're trying that to limited that factor out. is much less so on the moon because there's yes. less gravity, and no atmosphere. But he brought up a very, very crazy point. He's like, "Do you know how long it takes for a radio wave to get to Mars?" Like, you know, thirty-three that. minutes. Man, forty, yeah, forty, forty-four, forty. I was close. Yeah? I did the calculation really quickly in my head because you know I'm a math that's what scientist. You do. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> "You are looking at a camera." You move the joystick, you wait an hour and a half, and right. then you see you see it yeah. happen. <laughs> We've seen the show on Netflix, Mars. I have not seen that yet. Yeah, it's pretty good. 
It's pretty good. It's interesting because it's like a, it's a, it's, it's half documentary about like 2016 era people. So they'll, they're interviewing Elon Musk and they're, they're interviewing really real people and real experiments about rocket science and stuff all, and all that. And then they go like 20 years into the future when we're actually doing a mission. And so that part's fiction. That's pretty cool. it, it's, it's, it's a good show. I mean, he just said we recently took a, took a, a satellite offline that we sent to the edge of space in 1974 or something like that. Took it offline. We, yeah. But we were still communicating with it, but it finally kind of, uh, started out of batteries. Break. Yeah. The battery, the power was, what was the, it telling us? He wouldn't tell me. Okay. Well, we're going to get him on the show. But he said, but he it said it's at the edge of space. <laughs> what the heck does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently NASA found the edge of space. <laughs> There's no edge of space. It's flat spacers, not flat earthers. <laughs> Tricked you. I don't know. Now I got to find this guy. So, okay. So that was a big tangent on uh, space exploration and quantum physics and whatnot. What the heck were we talking about just before that? You know what? I think we, we've, we've covered it all now, you know, where your yeah. office is now because you've never had an office. Yeah. I never had an office. <laughs> oh yeah. We were, sk- we were skipping rank. That's what we were doing. Then uh, something about having one eye in the Navy, not allowed, which is just seems counterintuitive considering, um, you can drive a boat. Eye- with one well, eye. I, well, I can definitely, well, yeah, I can drive a boat. I can do a lot of things with one eye and, and, but mostly looking, looking cool with an eye patch seems to be an inherently Navy, um, you know, characteristic. Yeah. I yeah. Would, I would I say would that. Think. You know, Metal Gear Solid. Are you a fan of that? Yeah. 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 There's a lot of memes. Oh, are there? memes out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to go for that Snake, at, yeah. at Halloween. Right. I mean, or yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of have, I dressed up as Thor last Halloween. Oh, there you go. Because Thor copied yeah. me. Yeah, he did. Right. And there's know, a big resemblance there. You two clearly, not, I mean, it's, yeah, not the most recent one, but the other one, no, not the fat Thor. No, not, fat no, not fat Thor that lost his mind. <laughs> yeah. No, fat Thor got weird. And you know why though? It's because he stopped wearing an eye patch. So, you know, cool Thor had an eye patch, you know, he didn't lose it in a cool way. He got punched in the face by his sister. Uh, if you've watched <laughs> Thor Ragnarok and then he got his hair cut off and then he grew a beard, a nicely trimmed beard like mine. And then got an eye patch on his right eye. So, the and God then he, of and then he turned into me. Storm. Yeah, yeah. And then he just became Storm, right? Um, but, uh, you know, Thor's still cool. Although he, he should have lost weight for the end of the Avengers. So movie. when I get home from this trip, I'm going home tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to spend all weekend building a Vietnam base on my property. Hmm. Uh, because I am going to start a series called Nomd. <laughs> Nomd? Yeah, like just okay. N-A-M-D. And it's just about nice. a, a unit. Like just a, just a LERP in unit in Vietnam and, you know, bought all the sandbags, the tents. I got a, got a skid steer. I'm really excited for this. Wow. So you, I mean, you guys are taking your production to a whole new level. Yes. I mean, this, you really like movie making, which, which I, I can agree with. I, I like it too. A lot of the reason the here's the truth videos sort of came to be, um, oh, maybe that's what we were talking about yeah. was here's the truth videos. So I'll, I'll develop into why doing this podcast right after that. But I, I, I like making videos too. I like, I like seeing the angle. I like, I, I, I like editing. Um, I, I did some, are you editing these yourself? Not all of them, yeah. but, 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 uh, originally, yes. But going um, through the editing not, process not now saying, because hey, we, we finally, yeah, we've yeah. trained others to do it. But, um, but Oh, I, I, I take a, I take a big role in all of these videos. Um, all of the funny videos you see, like the JJ Watt video. Have you seen that one? Not yet. You, 
I, I thought you followed me on social media. I do. No, I I texted you the. Do you? Yeah, no, yeah, yes, the one where you were trying. Are you, you were, just making it up now? You Did were I just catch you. You were yeah. waiting for him okay. to text you. I had All to right, Google so who the hell JJ Watt was and why. Like I was laughing yeah. at the video. He's a famous football player. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great video. I All texted right. you that day and said we need to make this where I keep. I thought asking we were friends. I wasn't sure if you'd seen all my videos. Why you won't pick up the, or why you won't go to lunch with me or something. You're right. like, remember what happened last time at right. Hard Cuts and we're in Tijuana and we got hats and, you know. <laughs> you're like, that's why. That's why I don't hang out with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I was on Tijuana. He's making that up. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a hypothetical. So the, um, so anyway, the J.J. Watt video, um, which you have seen. Yes. which was hilarious, right? And um, for anybody who hasn't seen it, just go to my Instagram, JJ Watts football player. He put his, he put his number out on Twitter, said to text him, and I was like, I'll Did he respond him. to the video? No, he's never responded to what? me. What? It's crazy. What team is he on? Texans. Houston okay. Texans, yeah. Wait, he's not even on a pro team and he won't, he won't respond to the video? I don't know how to take that. I, I'm, I'm kind of mad. What? <laughs> what? What's your football team? I, I I don't know what football is. Is that golf? Like it's it's they they, they do hat tricks and yeah, stuff. I, so, I've never been a, a sports person at all. Like actually, a lot of military guys aren't. Um, people don't realize that. But um, uh, what was I? Do? Okay, so that video I totally did myself. Right, like I just had my wife film it. I tell her what angle to do it at, and like I cut it, I edit it, I do the whole thing. Um, for, for, I mean, obviously I don't have the time to do that all the time, but sometimes I'm like, I'm going to do this myself. So I, I get that. I love doing it. And I think that's where the, here's the truth stuff came from. And it's like, why I know I'm like, listen, I'm a millennial. I understand that I don't always turn the sound on. So put subtitles on there. I also understand that if you caption the video with like headers and footers, um, very easy to do, but it, 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 it catches the eye. It's video right? memes. Yes. Yeah. You're yeah, creating it's basically a video, video meme. memes, right? And you're like, okay, so here's the subject matter and they're going to tell me something and you can go online and figure out like, what are the different phrases that, that, that make, that have higher uh, traffic. Um, click through, yeah, click yeah, through where, where they're like, going to watch. And more. I actually only recently looked at that and, and what i it was really interesting what I found. Um, and like, what was the number one? The, the number one is, Oh, this will make you. The, the phrase, this will make you, um, has more traction, like by far than any other phrase. Cause it's an emotional response. Like this will make you angry. Watch this. This will make you this angry. This will make you cry. Yeah. Or this will make you so happy. Till you're like, end. well, I want to be made happy. So yeah, let, me, let, me, exactly. let me watch this. It's, it's crazy. This is it's my anti-theory against video games. And I, what's an, anti- well, okay. I'm like, Explain well, that. I, I, I am upset with how video games are made because for me, if I'm going to spend $70 on a video game, I don't want four hours of instruction. I want to start with the biggest gun, unlimited ammo, and God mode. Because yeah. I just want to, I want to win. Right. I'm playing a virtual, because it doesn't matter. A, a video game gives you a false sense of achievement. You, yeah. you spend hours upon hours and you've won this digital thing. But at the yeah. end of the day, what did you really accomplish well, you just wasted a bunch of time. Yeah, you're going to make all the gamers listening really <laughs> mad. <laughs> I'm just I don't saying. Know. I, I, don't, I haven't played a lot of video games since I was in high school and I was destroying gold. They got, they got too complicated for me. They are hard. Like, like on, de- on deployment, like all the guys would be crushing, you know. Uh, Call of Duty. Yeah, Call of Duty and all that. And I would try. I try and I just, I'm just like, I just die. I just die every five seconds. So eventually I'm just, I'm done, just done with it. 
Yeah, there's too much learning curve to it. Now. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. There's people have gotten too good at it. Yeah. You know, and um, I miss gold. I miss the days of Goldeneye. Nintendo 64. All it was day great. Long. It, it was, was great. I mean, it was the first first person shooter. It's and still the classic. And you could you could do four way on yeah. on on the screen. The, the we, pastime. That in happened. college, we got a, a an original Nintendo. We had Duck Hunt. That was cool. I how the heck does Duck Hunt work? Do you know? Like why why does a TV that's not necessarily connected to the gun that you're using why why does Ooh, it work? That is because yeah I. You don't know? I don't because I'm I mean, thinking either. about that. There's no RF receiver inside the TV. No. So how does it know it's any TV. where it's you're pointing? It's just a screen. That so, so maybe there's like a little camera inside the technology. gun. Technology. But it's, and it's, it's accurate. It's, it's not an inaccurate gun. It works. Never thought about that. Because remember Super Scope oh, 6? We should think about these kind of things. I know. Nintendo was Mostly what we do in these podcasts is we think about deep things. I mean, you know, before you walked in here, I had two other podcasts recorded, one on occupational licensing, which is really important, especially to low-income earners. Uh, before that, we're talking about bioterrorism. That's all important stuff, but so is this. Yeah. People need to know. How did they do How this? does Duck Hunt work? Because <laughs> as, a, as a radio operator, my entire military career, I don't understand what the TV was. <laughs> played in this in this role because a a super nintendo or a regular (laughs) nintendo is just plugged in using two rca cables an audio more than that's more than most people know stereo does rca stand for uh, i don't even know (laughs) (laughs) radio component affiliate you have a video and then you have a stereo red and red and white yeah the colors so That's not communicating yeah, with which, any Which they're not of, even used anymore, by the way, yes, those, those, yeah. those three things. I think I, I still have a bunch of those cables just in a, in a drawer because you never know when you're going to need them because that's the old way of thinking. Like, oh, yeah, I'll probably need these cables at some point. You don't need them. Yeah, but yeah, TVs don't, don't even have the, there's nothing have the ability to for. plug them into I, I don't even use. I don't even have cable anymore. We just use the internet. Um, and, 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 and watch Netflix. I mean, I think this is, this is the true question of 2020. Which one? How did Duck Hunt work? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. If there's, 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 there's a couple of things that the presidential candidates need to be answering. One, how does Duck Hunt work? Because if you can answer that, you can probably answer anything. And you can probably figure out the, the, the theoretical zero gravity point between the moon and the earth. Yes. Um, if somebody can guess easy. where it is, you know, yeah, we'll give I them mean, a free bag of coffee. Yeah. Really? Oh, there's the challenge. <laughs> there's the challenge. I mean, you just got a few hundred thousand miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, but the next question uh, beyond that is how to solve traffic. I don't, I don't know why a political party hasn't centered around the idea of Have you listened to traffic. some of my shows? All of them. Because this was, no. <laughs> I did a show on this. I go, I, I was just pointing out the fact that I, I, I go, I find it, I just find it kind of I, one of those why uh, periods mm-hmm. that immigration and abortion are the two biggest, like, items that the two sides fight over. And it's, it's like, why? Like, it, you know, even living in a border town for four years of my life in El Paso, like mm-hmm. immigration wasn't that big of a concern. Like we didn't have a very big problem with it in El Paso. Like, but, and, and, and same thing, you know, the abortion thing, that's, that's whoever wants to argue about that. They can argue about that. But I said, give me a candidate that just comes out and goes, you know what? I'm going to listen to Elon Musk and I'm going to build four more freeways in the ground and we're not going to have traffic anymore. I mean, like, who's going to argue with that? Like, wait, no more traffic. No more I'm traffic. going with that That's one. A powerful one. I'm going with that guy. <laughs> I like what Elon Musk is thinking about with tunnel systems. I think 
I'd, I'd like to see him invest more in flying cars. I think we I, all, I, well, I, well, well looking at me right why, don't, now. Why, don't, why don't you think about that? Because, <laughs> you know, do you want everybody to be flying? No, no, we're talking automated drones. Automated, I mean, automated, let's let's yeah. think about the technology that's already out there. Um, there's, I mean, there's flying car conventions right now. A lot of the technology's there. I think we should be looking at, as a, from a government perspective, we should be looking at, let's get ahead of the regulations so that so that the the private investors know what to do what, and what to build to and what towards to, yes. you know this, this this stuff isn't that far well fetched. when we go to full automation we then increase our speeds so if we woke up tomorrow and we had no. full automated cars and there wasn't a single driver you know human driven car we can do 130 miles an hour on the freeway because it's all programmed everybody's going the same speed every everything's operating within, you know, ones and zeros and not think about that because now car travel, you're, you start cutting your, your travel times in half. Four hour drive now becomes a two hour drive. Yeah. Maybe 130 miles an hour. No, I mean, I I get what you're saying. It's, it's, it's correct. You, you eventually the goal is to free up space on highways um, via the air. Cause the, the reason I say, Hey, you have to go, you have to go above ground at some point is is because you can't build tunnels everywhere, right? It's expensive. And in cities like Houston, you can't build a metro. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, with, it's, with it's what we have now, yes, city. it would be yeah. incredibly expensive and almost unfeasible. But this also leads me to another theory that I've had is Elon Musk, we are going to turn him into a supervillain. Oh. I mean, he, he just keeps coming up with these really good ideas. Like, he mm. keeps solving a bunch of weird problems. Yeah, but with, eventually he'll take over but, the world. But everybody ignores him. So they're like, ha, ah, yeah, Elon, here we go with your tunnel highways. And he's yeah. like, literally, I just I just fixed your problem. Like, yeah. You don't want to listen to me. Eventually he's going to go, fine, I'm now creating a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a Tesla coil yeah. <laughs> that's automated, flying around, chasing us. Like, <laughs> Well, it's not, I mean, geez. You bring up an interesting point. We've never had an actual evil genius. I know. This hasn't happened. And I hope it never does, because, I mean, if Elon Musk turned on us, I, that's yeah, not good. I mean, we could, <laughs> we could maybe say Hitler almost was one. I mean, he really pushed submarine technology. That's tech- true. That was the last he evil sub- genius. He's sub- terrible. Submarine technology immensely. He really went hard into experimenting in bio, yeah, you know, biochemicals and bioterrorism and things like that, and as well as the nuclear program. So, I mean... He was he was the beginning stages, but he sure as hell wasn't as smart as Elon Musk. Elon Musk is going to come up with some, you know, he's going to fire tungsten rods at us from space. You know, he keeps he keeps televising all his rocket tests, and everybody's like, "Oh, you're so smart!" And then he's gonna he's gonna take over every t- TV station one day and go, "Hey, you guys were all clapping while I was putting my weapons into space." <laughs> oh God, <laughs> this is something we need to start worrying about. Maybe maybe not with him. He seems like a nice guy what are, i mean i think he's a nice guy he's a great guy he was just on rick and morty did you see that no oh it's great <laughs> but you're making me thick uh, <laughs> so, yeah. it probably won't be elon musk but man we got to be careful about those evil geniuses so in the rick and morty episode they go to an alternate dimension where he's elon tusk 
and he has tusks like a boar. Yeah. And the reason uh, when, when Morty's asking Rick why why he went to see this one and not the real version, he was like, well, the real Elon Musk likes to constantly put power moves on you. Yeah. Like, and this guy, since he has tusks, he kind of didn't develop that personality piece of himself. But it was actually Elon that voiced voiced really? himself. And he did. He goes, uh, yes, I hear what you're saying, but let's talk about this over here. And, he, and they, they move. He goes, you didn't really have to move. I just wanted to move you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a power play. I, I love I mean, what stuff they're working on, though. In a serious note, it's not just like the underwater or underground highways. You could do underwater highways. Why not? It might be easier than underground. But the uh, the the rockets that he builds, and then they and then they land them. They land so themselves. The landing rockets. Yes. That's and and, and and Elon Musk talks about this. He's like, this is the whole reason I'm doing this is to get to Mars. The whole reason I even built SpaceX and launching satellites, it's just to get to Mars. That's the whole point. And the only way you can make Mars um, uh, commercially viable is to be able to land the rockets and then have it take off again, like reusable rockets, which is just unbelievable. And you watch the videos of them testing this and destroying rockets in the process because it's well, such a have some yeah. failures. I mean, you, you feel sad when you crash your drone and that was $230. I can't imagine sitting there in yeah. Elon's chair and his, his rocket just exploded. Like, Ooh. yeah. And that's like a $230 billion. Do you have the check? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but then they land it. They figure this stuff out and they've landed it. Um, it's crazy. So, I mean, it's, it's just really cool stuff. I mean, in, innovation, the, the things that happen these days are just absolutely incredible. Um, it's just, it makes you really excited to see what's happening next. That's why we're going to get NASA on, on are you, this podcast. Are you going to put yourself in a Tesla truck? There's a Tesla truck? Oh, yeah. Is that, a, is that coming or does it already exist? It's, it's, you can pre-order it right now. Huh. It, he already unveiled it. I mean, yeah. it, he kind of had an embarrassing moment and it failed some tests on the stage because he was like, I have indestructible glass. He's like, show him, Jim. And Jim throws a, a bowling ball through the window and it just breaks. And he's no like, way. Well, well, that one might have been cracked first. Try this other window. It can destruct me. He throws that one through. He's like, all right. Well, all right. Maybe windows, we don't do live shows are- anymore. <laughs> I mean, why would you... Well, why would the indestructible window even be the selling point unless you're like a, and I don't know. I don't know. Because really I I saw, I saw a figure uh, a while back ago that had said um, almost 74% of, of automobile fatalities would have, would have not been fatalities had the vehicle just had a, a standard roll bar. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. why, don't, why don't we just start putting those yeah, on? The roll bars seem like a good idea. <laughs> Seatbelts and roll bars solve a lot of problems. But speaking of, okay, so I, I have been victim to this testing of indestructible windows. Ooh. Yeah. You weren't inside the indestructible window. No. Let me explain. So <laughs> in high school, uh, we lived in an apartment in, in Bogota, Colombia. So my, my Like everybody in America Like everybody in, yeah. in high school, sometimes you move to a war-torn country. And- um I loved every minute of it. And this was like the late 60s too, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm 35. So this was, I graduated high school in 2002. My dad was in the oil we and gas industry. We pretty much are the same age. Yeah, yeah. And I look are. this we much are. older than you. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look good. It's just the gray hair. It's, not, it's all the gas it's station that. food. It got, you, listen, you, know, we're, it's, you look wise. <laughs> You're the only person to ever use that word to explain me. Yeah, well... <laughs> 
I'm unique. And so, so, so my dad worked in the oil and gas industry. That's why we lived in Colombia and uh, we lived in an apartment as a result. And uh, one day the neighbors complained that there was a little like hole in one of their windows and in the, in the floor just below ours. And my parents immediately blamed my brother, my little brother is like five years younger than me because he was using a slingshot to just shoot out little pellets outside out, out of our windows. And I was like, and I, and I defended my brother. Okay. And I said, there's no way that, that that ball bearing, you know, from that distance would actually break that window. Like these things just aren't that strong. It's a, it's a small slingshot. There's no way he did that. All right, let me show you. And I like pulled it back. I pulled back the slingshot with the ball bearing in it. I let it rip at one of our own windows and it broke the hell out of that window. (laughs) (laughs) But this destroyed it. Yeah. but (laughs) This demonstration is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Now we have to replace two windows. What the hell did you do? (laughs) (laughs) They had to replace two windows. Not ideal. Not ideal. Those are nice apartments. That's yeah. amazing. I don't think I broke any glass as a kid. I can't remember. No, really? No windows. Yeah. Well, what did you do? I mean, we were always skateboarding, so we were breaking ankles. <laughs> yeah, breaking bones. That's, I never broke a bone as a kid. I, my first broken bone was in Buds. Um, Ooh. Yeah, just the, uh, right in the middle of Hell Week, my first Hell Week. And so I got the opportunity opportunity to, to do start over and do yeah do yeah. more. It's called, tra- yeah. So you had a Hell benefits. and a Half Week. Yeah. Hell and a half. Yeah, 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 basically a hell and a half week is, is what I ended up doing. Plus, plus an entirely new first phase, which is always really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, my, but that was a stress fracture that just kind of fractured eventually. Just kept going. Yeah, just uh, just really gets you. I remember the moment it broke. It was like uh, we were rounding a corner because, you know, we, we run with boats on our heads during hell week. You never, you can't travel from point A to point B during hell week unless you have a boat on your head. Because that makes sense. Because I mean, you never every know. Every time I've been deployed. Yeah, well, because in combat, you never know when you're going to have all this weight on your head. Like, <laughs> or so, you need a boat. Or you need a boat. Yeah, both. It's so, it's I so, mean, you're giving me a lot of good video ideas right now because yeah. you did say that you would come do comedy videos. With I do. Us. I do. Yeah, I want to do some comedy videos. I, I'm a trained comedian, as it turns out. And, uh, you know, you do get a lot of compliments from, from, from our group, uh, about your speaking abilities. That oh, it's, thank it's you. Very funny. Thank you. Um, I, I, you know who else I've gotten a compliment from? Ellen. I would wish actually, I kind of like Ellen, but, uh, Steven Spielberg. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, that's cooler than Ellen. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to get a compliment yeah. about your acting from somebody, it's Spielberg's not that it. that's, that's probably the guy. And so this is how that story goes. This was on Saturday night live. So he's a fan of the show. And, um, he happened to be in New York during that time. And uh, he, he was filming some other movie that he wanted me to be in. And I was like, oh, no, Steven, I'm busy. And uh, <laughs> just, just uh, yeah. uh, uh, oh, it's yeah. him again. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy how often he texts me. Uh, he's yeah. he is a, a habitual texter. Yeah. Yeah. Always late, too. Um, <laughs> hey, Dan, what about this script? No, Steven, I don't have time to read your scripts. Like, yeah, I, I know you want my input, but it's just it's just not going to happen. I know you want me to be a yeah. superhero, but yeah, I can't. Just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, okay, fine. I'll be the next Nick Fury. Fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> They're all retiring. I feel like I should be the next Nick Fury. Anyway, yeah. that's a different, that's a different conversation. Be a son. It's like weird. Yeah. His son. Yeah. Also has yeah, an that, be, There'd be some explaining to do with <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> we'll figure that out. Whatever. Yeah. There's a storyline for the, for everything. Right. So, um, how did, 
Okay, sorry. I just got another tangent of thinking how Sam, uh, how this Nick Fury lost his eye. It was just in one of the recent movies. Yes, it was. They how did he flash his back? eye? I don't remember. I only watched uh, the the new Avengers once, and I think it All was right. in that one. We'll, we'll get back to that. Um, what were we talking about? How Steven Spielberg told Steven you Spielberg you were story. Funny. Okay, so so we're on Saturday Night Live. I do my I do my my skit. Um, it's going really well. It goes really well. I, I get off the stage, and I'm just watching the rest of the show. And, uh, which is a very cool experience, by the way, like it's such a small, compact environment. There's only three stages and you know, what three stages they are. They're the, they're the, like the music stage, the, the, um, the stage that I was on, which is the, you know, the, the newscast, what do they call it? Yeah. I can't remember what they call it now. Um, and then like the living room set. Okay. So, and they're very, it's, it's very compact. And so it's easy to watch all of it happen all at once. Um, and we're just, hanging out and um, Laura Michaels introduces me to Steven Spielberg. He, he's, he's there and I get to hang out with him, uh, which is a pretty cool experience in and of itself. What was he doing there? Uh, he, he's a fan. Oh, he's, he's just he a fan. Just like, hey, he's just a fan and he himself. happens to be, yeah. So yeah, obviously a lot of what I say doesn't seem true, but some of it is true. He was just in New York filming a movie. And, um, and so we, he, when he's there, he likes to show up and, and, and hang out backstage. And uh, he's like, and this is all true. He, he goes, Dan, um, you know, you, you could have a real future in Hollywood and, uh, you got great comedic timing. And I was like, that's an awesome compliment coming from Steven Spielberg. But I look around and I notice that nobody heard that compliment, yeah, like, which is a problem if I'm going to tell two. this story, right? You were hoping Keenan yeah. Thompson was right there. You're like, Keenan? Yeah. Hey, Keenan? Anybody? Anybody? Did you meet Keenan? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Man, he, he's, he's awesome too. Um, and, uh, Kate McKinnon, really cool too. Uh, she's, I think she's one of the most talented comedians on there. Um, I mean, our age group, we grew up with Keenan and Kel and all yeah. that. And oh, they're great. Like that. Yeah, so it's that's like, true. It's like Keenan kind of has a. He's, he's just a good guy. Yeah, always like, been. Yeah, he's just a, he's just a good. I, I, Never been in the news for just being an asshole or something. Yeah, like. no, he's just a, he's a good guy. And frankly, most of the people, I, well, all the people I met there, I thought were, were, were good people and genuinely happy to see me there. Um, so, and so he says that and I was like, there's nobody here to, to hear that. And so I see my wife like watching the show from across the stage and I motioned for her to come over and I just asked Stephen, can you please just repeat what you just said? (laughs) Tell her what you told me. I need a witness. Tell tell her what you told me. And she like looks at me and rolls her eyes. (laughs) Like, I know why you did that. I know why you did that. So that's all true. He's, he's not, he doesn't text me uh, regularly. Listen, he, but he would put you in a movie. I would, I would hope so. I mean, you remember like right when you got elected, I think I tweeted, I can't wait for Russell Crowe to play Dan Crenshaw in a movie someday. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I see Russell the resemblance. I think, I I've gotten, I've gotten that a lot. I think it would be perfect. I like to think it's more of a gladiator Russell Crowe. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going Obviously. That's the only movie I've Obviously. seen with Russell Crowe in it. <laughs> Are you not entertained? I mean, that was our generation's movie. Yes, absolutely. They don't make great movies like that anymore. I feel like, I don't know what we're doing. uh, We're making them for China, that's why. Yeah. Oh, that's that's an interesting topic to get into. Five of the seven studios have been purchased. Yeah. And they, and they have a lot of control over, over, over because the, you know, because movies don't want to make two different versions, one for, uh, one for America and one for China and they have censorship. They don't have freedom of speech. uh, They also, there's more of them. Yeah. Therefore, you know, their market is much larger. So, and, and, and this was a funny conversation that I was having with another filmmaker last week was, you know, other countries don't really make movies. When was the last time you saw Russia's Avengers? Yeah. Like no, they don't. our Hollywood is the only one that makes 
huge blockbuster masterpieces. Like, yeah, there's a couple good dramas that come out of maybe Great Britain and every once in a while, sometimes Canada. But our Hollywood is the only one in the world that's making consistently consistent big scale entertainment. And I mean, even even now though, you're seeing a lot of um, a lot of migration to video games because the video games are are outpacing. Mm. Uh, movies where, you know, opening week on a video game is in the billions, not, you know, hoping for 55 million or a hundred million in, really? in the box office. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, you saw, um, I think it was a, the last ghost recon or a few years ago, Kevin Spacey was the lead in that. Like you had a lot of other big actors that are jumping over to, to these video games. And the Kevin video- Spacey is in a video game. Yes. He was the main character and I believe it was ghost recon or yeah. Ghost recon. Really? Huh. Or ghosts or something like that. Well, you got to move on from House of Cards somehow. Yeah, and that's that's literally where they got it. It was after the first season of House of Cards. Oh, made, after the first season. They okay, made so this is a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but I mean, getting back to the Chinese issue, you know, it, it is of concern. I, I do like what President Trump is. I, I like the basic message, right, which is which is that China... China's not just a competitor. They are, they are framing themselves more and more as an adversary. And uh, at first that's economically speaking, and then eventually that becomes militarily speaking. I mean, they've got, I'm sure you know the stuff that they've recently released uh, as far as uh, defense stuff that they've recently developed is getting kind of scary. Uh, specifically their, their version of, of their M9X. Yeah. Uh, I've heard from my pilot friends that it's uh, something to, or their uh, M120. Yeah, they they said that thing that thing is scary. Yeah, and the advantage the Chinese have, and basically every country has that's outside the United States, is you can you can focus on one thing, innovate in this one this one specific topic, or weapon, or capability, and uh, and force us to compete with that. Whereas, because because as the United States, we have to be the best at everything. Um, if we're going to continue being the underwriters of the global world order, which I think we should be, um, that doesn't and no for everybody listening, that doesn't mean be the world's policeman. All right, there's not some there's not some arbitrary international law that we're trying to force, but there is a global order based on liberal democracy and free trade. That the only ones who will possibly defend it is the United States of America, and we cannot forget that. It doesn't mean we go nation building. It doesn't mean we go intervening where we shouldn't. But it does mean that we still have to be the best. And if we're not going to be the best, the best we could hope for would be somebody like Great Britain, you know, like like being the best. But they're not even close. And the entirety of Europe isn't even close. The only ones who are coming or trying to get close are Russia and China. And they have a very different worldview than we do. Yes. And we cannot see that as 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 being able to accommodate. They both the, love control. They want control they, over the they, people. Authoritarianism, um, you know, and China is basically engaging in what is modern day colonialism right now. And none of that is good. And uh, we have to combat it, but we have to combat it in a very different and smarter way than we have in the past. It's just, just we're, we're not in the same kind of battles. It's a different world. So I'll, I'll, I'll end with this as we get to, uh, you know, later in the night here, because you're my, third podcast that we've recorded today. for a while. Yeah. Um, so what were you actually doing up in DC? Is this a little more serious topic? And we'll go, we'll go to there. We'll go to some actually policy issues because my podcast is generally about policy issues and we haven't discussed any. So I was here, um, and this, this was, this has been an experience. I've never, uh, I've never seen this stuff in person and, and just sitting, um, 
sitting in Congressman Mullen's office today, and I was just Did you wear a suit, or were you dressed like this? I, I was dressed like this. <laughs> I was I was not planning to do this at all. This was so last minute that that it was like, hey, you're in this area. Get here. This is happening now. Yeah. Um, but like being in in Congressman Mullen's office, I was just talking. It's good. To, it's more authentic to his. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of how I am. We, we don't we don't kick you out just because you're not wearing a suit. I was just curious. I was honestly, just there's a curious. lot of comments on the internet like, oh, typical JT. Look at you. Uh, but yeah. cut uh, his hair. Talking to uh, his front desk girl, you know, just engaging with her about, you know, she's telling me about the phone calls. Like everybody talks about, I'm going to call my congressman. I'm going to call mm-hmm. my congressman. And it's like, and just oh. hearing hearing what she had to the say. Four she's staffers like, at the front desk. Yes. The things she's they like, she's like, uh, I was like, well, do you do you log these and do you show them? And they're like, if they are in our district, I absolutely do. I take notes yeah. and and he reads them. Yeah. But if they're out of our district and someone's mad about Twitter or someone's mad about a vote or something yeah. like that, she's like, you know, it's just like, I have to sit there and just take this berating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, what's the, what's kind of the, the, when, when you get these people that are angry, are they generally only informed about a fraction of what's going on? She was like, absolutely. It's like, okay, so you've got a lot of headline-driven people that aren't actually reading the articles or yep. educating themselves before they pick up the phone and scream at a poor staffer. Like, that was, so it's just very interesting. And then seeing, seeing these buildings from the inside and how you guys actually work when you're here was, was very interesting. But I got to go on the, the Senate floor and watch the vote for the 2020 NDAA. And inside that... Um, that packet was the state scout bill. And that was, that was, it was a portion or not necessarily an amendment to the Ferris doctrine, but uh, giving new options to active duty personnel that can hold military doctors accountable for malpractice. And I think it, it has not been changed in 77 years. So I feel like we, we made some progress today. Yeah. There's an argument for that for sure. And so as you're up here advocating for that, um, what, what other policy issues are you Do you guys weigh in? Like- Not really because it, we don't want, we have our personalities and, and what we've done in it with, with our channels and everything like that is we've been everybody's escape. And sadly, the climate of social media has become so negative in the last few years yeah. that, people are, are, are no longer having fun and like enjoying it. It's more of just a constant negative, just uh, kind of thorn in your life now. Um, and so we try to stay completely away from that because we want our audience to know that when you come to one of our Instagrams or one of our YouTube channels or our Facebook, you're going to be entertained and you're going to laugh and you're going to get an escape for a little bit. And we like sitting, we like sitting in that area, but with, with something like this, it's just, it hits close to home. You have a, you have a, a friend of ours that, that, that really was dealt a bad, a bad hand. And it's also at the same time, I feel like I can't sit by and say, yeah, man, feel for you. Good luck. When I've, when I have this platform of, of a lot of like-minded people, I feel like I owe it to him and everybody else to tell the story at least and let them decide themselves. Yeah. And what do you, what do you think, what do you think the biggest issues are facing the veteran community? And so I'll, I'll frame this question in many different ways. I mean, so there's, there's the VA hospitals, there's the transition, uh, there's the suicide rate. Uh, there's, which I, which I view as, as, as a lack of sense of, purpose 
Um, but even that's hard to, even that's hard to identify because the, the suicides come mostly from Vietnam era veterans um, and, and not our post 9-11 age group. So, I mean, you know, what is going on? I mean, you being so closely in tune with the veteran community, what, what do you guys see? I feel like what I think is the most important thing that we should be really defining and asking ourselves is the higher, the high military leadership and you and your colleagues, we need to really come to terms with what we asked our guys to do the last 20 years. Like any, and even before that, obviously in, in the Gulf war, the cold war and everything like that, we need to really understand like, you know, we take 18 year old kids and we break them and break them and break them and break them for 10, 15, 20 years. And then at the, at that 20 years, it's like, okay, you're done. Like we, if we put things in place that, that during that whole process, and these are things that we have one of my friends here that I've discussed this with. um, If we put things in that, in that entire pro that 20 year process that developed our guys to be, better thinkers and better initiators and things like that and give them a a break. You know, if you have someone that enlisted in 2001, when he hits 10 years, give the guy a half a year off to just unwind. Like we can, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. We can do, we can afford that. We can, we can pay our people and we can, we can sit back and say, okay, you know, and, and you know what? We, we, we can offer certain programs or bonuses or time that says, well, if you, if you enroll yourself into a vocational school or into some sort of advanced learning, you can get up to a year off at your 10 year mark, but you're going to give us at least five more years or you're going to give us at least 10 more years, but developing our guys and giving them the much needed time off because really it's, Start knocking your head when you really think about this. You you deploy an army division for 15 months and they come home and it's like, hey, you guys have 30 days of block leave. No, you're spending your 30 days of earned leave while you're in a war zone for 15 months. And you get a month off. Like it's like, and then you repeat that cycle for, for every other year for 10 years of someone's life. And then you're you're wondering why they're they're all a little a little, little whacked out. Yeah. So that's what I think. That's that's my personal opinion. I think we should just really look yeah. at so so force management issues. Yes, there and, is, is really what you're talking about, and and really understanding the psychology of the, of what we ask yeah. we ask our service members to do. You know, yeah. we turned these guys into war fighters to go and right. fight, kill, break, you know, destroy. Like we need to create the same process that we, that we, you know, you go through 40 weeks of, of basic training in the army to become an inter- infantryman to learn how to do this. Yeah. But you get one week of taps when you get out, we right. have, we have to, right. we have to build the, the ramp a, back in. There needs to be a longer transition period and a more well-informed transition period and, and tailored to, I mean, so I remember going through taps and thinking, they don't need this. Like, you know, it just, it, it's, it's good for some people. It's, it's, I don't, I don't want it. Yeah. Like it's the same thing. I opted, I opted out of most yeah. of it. And uh, I don't think I had the option of opting out, but I, I had to go through it, but um, it, it's, it's a little silly, but um, in those programs are out there, you know, just so people understand, like you can go to school for a year or two, but it's definitely not open to everybody. It might only be open to officers. Uh, so yeah, I mean, opening that up to enlisted guys is an interesting just an interesting idea. Creating a method to to really, you know, you know, tune our guys psychologically. Yeah. yeah. And because you know how leave is too. You know what it's yeah. like when you go in there. Do they leave you alone? No. 
Well, phone, your phone's depends. ringing. Depends. <laughs> yeah. Depends. Emails, texts. I need you to yeah. come in and drop this piece of paper off. I need you. To, so there's, yeah. there's really never that just unplugged time period that yeah. lets someone reset and get excited. I mean, and I think that we can take a lot of examples off of the National Guard and the reserves because seeing the climate inside a National Guard unit going from active duty where you had guys going home to a normal job. And then they got to come put the uniform on and the excitement and the motivation and right. the attention to detail and everything. It was like they were recharged and now they are yeah. so amped to yeah, be I back mean, in uniform. Yeah, and like, that's the right word. What you're getting at is a recharge. And uh, that that's interesting. You know, because and also giving the flexibility because there's a lot of younger guys with, you know, full of piss and vinegar who just want to go, go, go. Like maybe give them the opportunity to to let them go, go, go. Let those guys keep but, going. But there are some in a platoon who you know have families, maybe just had a kid six months ago. Maybe they don't need to go, go, go. Maybe maybe you can switch those guys out. And um, and we actually and, and in the effort to do what you're saying and to engage in force management, we 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 in in recent years, I guess they're not that recent anymore. But we you know we have these ratios where you is deployed to to being home ratios yeah, dwell to do we have the dwell to, time. Right. And, um, as a result, so that's well-meaning it's well-intentioned, but just like every one size fits all policy hint, hint, this is why I'm a conservative. It has consequences, right? when you remove flexibility, it hurts the people you're trying to help the most. So yeah, like everybody has the same dwell time ratio, but guess what? That's still bad for some people, especially given what they might be going through at that time give the command the opportunity to say, Hey, we'll give, we'll, we'll, we'll let your dwell time ratio go out of bounds because you're a single guy and you're 24 yeah. and you're ready to go. We're not going to let you sit at home for yeah. 30 days and, and like, get you don't, trouble. you don't like, <laughs> you don't like being at home. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause you know, there's, there's no family, there's nothing. And this is what you signed up for. This is why you trained your whole life. Like, got it. Let's send you. And, and granted, some of this is specific to the special operations community yeah. and the way we we're think. being biased to, yeah. to kind of a, a little worlds. bit, yeah. a little bit. And you know, you got to think bigger than that, but Again, this goes to flexibility. Why not have different rules for different communities? Exactly. Um, you know, and they, these are very different communities of different problems and different solutions. And so, um, and I think our military commanders are un- understand that, but you got to give them the flexibility uh, to, to engage in that kind of decision making and, and just keep people happy and engaged. Be open to innovation too. Yeah, and that's uh, that. That's my last takeaway. Is is the military needs to be like we were in the late 1940s, like like. Innovating. Yeah. You know, having guys like Chuck Yeager and, and people out there that are that are experimenting and, and given the permissive and flexibility to say, hey, let's try this. Yeah. Okay, so last last topic. We're obviously getting late, but um, I don't care. Do you have somewhere to be? Nope. Oh, well. Some of the people waiting on us do, but, <laughs> but they have the opportunity to leave if they want, except for that one because he's helping us record. Sorry, he Danny. He looks comfy. He's very comfy. He's got to sit in the big chair. Um so, okay, last question. So why are you guys so against the Second Amendment when you call your company the Black Rifle Coffee? <laughs> What's up with that? Oh, of course. We're so against it. <laughs> How do you feel my, about the Second Amendment? How do you feel about this, this, this glass that I'm drinking out of that I has love a it. bullet in it? I love it. Is that a nine-line glass? Is it Daniel Defense? I don't 
Oh, that's yeah. a good. Now you're asking me hard questions. Oh, there it I is. don't know where yeah. it came from. Somebody gave it to me. I like my U.S. House of Representatives class right yeah, here. Yeah, that's fancy. That's fancy. No, we love it. We love it. My, clo- my closet is full. Of, of glasses? <laughs> of guns. Of guns. Okay. <laughs> yes, black rifle coffee. Okay, that obviously has a certain connotation to it, and a lot of your videos are clearly heavy on the Second Amendment. So how do you feel about all that? Where do you, where do you think we're at as a country? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those hot button items right now. That's a touchy subject to a lot of people, but going back to kind of the common sense, you know, common sense stuff, you're, when you look at, you look at the data, you look at the, and you pull apart the data. You yeah. can't, you know, really the look biggest at it. Frustration, Don't just take what you want like, from it. Honestly, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you my one piece that I feel like needs to be a piece of legislation, like immediately especially with we are in the information age where we are the we, we it is the most easy for us to communicate across the world in seconds than we've ever been able to do this and when an elected official goes on a camera and says an incorrect fact mm-hmm. about a, a, a hot button policy they should be relieved at that point because you are affecting millions upon millions of people's opinions based on misinformation and no one is ever, you know, there's very no few accountability. Yeah. There's no accountability. Well, and, the press is supposed to be that accountability and they're very good at being accountable for was conservatives. It Maxine not so much for waters recently yeah. that went on and said that, you know, uh, a, an AR 15 weighs as much as five moving boxes and shoots a 50 caliber bullet. Like, <laughs> I don't, I, don't quote me if that, cause I'm not sure if that was her. I, I, I don't, it was it, but it was a representative. Mm-hmm. You go on camera and say that like you just disseminated misinformation to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Right. And you need to be held accountable for that because even if you're, you're, you're painting a retraction, you have just pushed an opinion yeah. If not more opinions, one way or another, from somebody that you weren't educated about talking. Of course, we can't do that, right? We can't. We can't like <laughs> we can't force like, people to we, know things. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> we can't do that. We can't technically hold anybody accountable for, for spreading false information unless it's it's explicitly designed in a defamatory manner um, towards another person and their livelihood, but. The, but the problem still exists, which is, yeah, misinformation about the Second Amendment debate and misinformation about automatic versus semi-automatic I mean, I, and assault I, rifles I and all these, all these terms. I misinformation in general is our biggest enemy going into the next You know what's interesting? You know what an interesting survey is? Um, some data here is when, when asked what the uh, number one threats to democracy are, uh, people responded, number one, money and politics. Number two, uh, misinformed voters. And I thought that was so interesting because they don't understand the irony of that relationship. So the only reason that we even raise money in politics and in campaigns is is to inform voters of what we think. Like if you just went to my YouTube leaflets, channel, leaflets cost money, right. mailers cost all of money, it. phone calls, Commercials, TV, all, all these things, uh, staff. And uh, if you just went to my YouTube and social media and, and just and I could just tell you what I thought and that's all you listen to, then I wouldn't have to actually buy any ad space whatsoever. Um, so anyway, it's kind of a side note. It's interesting. But yeah, th- this, this debate especially has, has people all riled up. And 
the data matters and the context matters. So, you know, and it will just stick to one side of the debate because we don't have all the time in the world. And, 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 Represent black black rifle coffee. So let's talk about the AR fifteen, the banning of AR fifteen debates, right? And uh, you know, this what is the, it? My my question is is uh, let's let's just pretend it happens tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What do we solve? Right. What did we solve? Your sub three hundred deaths a year are accounted for from an AR fifteen. Now take away suicides, take away accident or negligent discharges. How many? I mean, look at. Well, there's, Look and at there's this. no evidence that you would actually solve those deaths either yes. because like they would have substituted yeah, then, the gun. Then look into, you know, was it legally acquired? Was it illegally acquired? Was well, it or or was would it? you just use a different gun? Like, yeah, exactly. Cause, cause, listen, yes. If you can argue to me that this one death would never have happened if, if, if AR-15s didn't exist. Yeah, that, that guy would know. If he couldn't go to the store and buy an AR-15, he's not going to kill somebody. That's essentially what you're saying. Right. And, and again, and you can't, that, that's not true. <laughs> the real statistics and then asking those questions, you're not solving any problems. You ban the AR-15, you've literally solved nothing. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and you know what a, a really good it's, statistic it's, it's, is? Is look into how many gun-related violent crimes are committed by an individual that has purchased two or more firearms legally. Hmm. It's, a oh, st- that's interesting. it's astonishing. What because is that? It's like sub 1%. <laughs> yeah. So you're, it's right there in front of our face. Your legal, yeah. you know, <laughs> gun, gun buyers are not out there committing crimes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true. It's just not what happens. And, and to put your your other statistic into perspective, that's less than three percent of gun deaths. By the way, um, rifles account for less than three percent of gun deaths. And then you have to convince me that that even if you know, because yeah, three percent is still gun deaths. We we don't, we want to prevent deaths, sure, absolutely. Uh, but then you have to convince me that they wouldn't have committed that murder. Uh, in the absence of a of rifle, a, of, of a specific, which is, which is of course not true. Like you can easily substitute. And that you weapon. and I, you you and I, from our background, I'm sure we both kind of chuckle at the AR-15 um, argument because it's like yeah. they, they uh, we know that that's yeah. it, it, what about you the guys M- carry guns the in the M14? Air Force? <laughs> <laughs> like the M14, that's, that's fucking way cooler. <laughs> it is way cool. And yeah, they're not offensive weapons is, yeah. is the point, you know? And, um, because people are always saying you don't need a weapon of war, yeah, uh, Absolutely. in your home. I'm like, that's not a weapon of war. That was our self-defense weapon. You have to understand that when we go on offense, we're using very different weapons, very different weapons. An AGM 65. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, we're, we're calling in you guys to call on the big guns, yeah. you know, and that's, and uh, we're using crew served weapons. We're, we're using really, we're, we're not using personalized weaponry. And uh, people need to understand that. The other thing is, is listen, if, if somebody comes into my home and, and wants to attack me and I'm getting out of bed and it's dark and there's some adrenaline pumping, um, I'll probably be fine with my pistol. Probably even at 20, 30 feet. Cause 20, 30 feet is that's, that is a distance. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, that's not a, that, 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 that's not a trivial distance. Okay. And if you've ever been on a range, you understand that, but it's also a very common distance across a hall or a living room. Okay. So you tell me, are you going to actually defend your home at that distance versus an intruder? The answer is probably not. I might be fine because I practice at this stuff often still do. And I have a, a lifetime of training. Yeah. Okay. Kind of different, but guess what? My wife not going to be able to do that. 
She can barely handle a pistol on the range with no stress. Okay. You know what she can handle pretty well? An AR. Okay. Why is that? Well, there's three points of contact. Okay. You have both hands on it and it's in your shoulder. It's very easy to aim. Guess what else? It doesn't kick. The way a pistol does. You don't necessarily. It's point. It's point. It's, it's Especially point. sub 50, you're, you're, <laughs> sub 50 yeah, meters. Yeah, like, within 50 meters. Put the, put the barrel at the direction it. you want to go. And right. And she, you're going to hit it. And it's amazing like to watch, um, especially women, like watch their faces when they've never shot a gun before. Try to shoot the pistol. They're a little uncomfortable with it. Uh, they're still good at it because women are very good at uh, just, for some reason, they're just better at, at training on, on pistols sometimes um, and aiming. But then they, but they're still uncomfortable with it, and then they get a, then they get a rifle, and they're like, "Wow, this thing works for me. It just does, and it doesn't seem that way at first. It's counterintuitive because it seems big and scary. I mean, we've seen, we've seen this it's in not. the news a couple times in the last few years. A child under fifteen years old has defended his house two or three times with a with an AR. Right. It's it's much easier to handle. I mean, once you get you know, you just train with it for just a little bit of time, and, and it's much easier to handle. And it's truly a self defense weapon. So. We'll end on that. Love it. How about that? Pleasure. Pleasure to Good be here. Second this is really Amendment cool. note. Yeah, like, this is really cool. I'm, I'm, what do you think of the office? I, I, I love it. I mean, yeah. obviously, Great. I'm going to send you ever. a couple more posters of me. Um, yeah, we'll definitely put them up. All right. Yeah. For right, sure. Right, yep. Yeah. yeah, we'll get those right up. <laughs> no, this is amazing, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time. All right. Come on Thanks, JT Landing Page. <laughs> appreciate you being on the show. 